0: startups want people they look at their sales reps to be their future leaders there's a lot more exposure when you work for a a high growth company because there's less layers between you and the ceo or the vp of sales or whoever which is great if you want to hustle and make an impact and think out of the box and especially wear a lot of hats
1: welcome to the tech guide podcast i'm the show's host ryan atkinson Everyone is wanting to break into tech and have a successful career. The only problem is how we'll use this podcast to sit down with people that have broken into tech, pivoted their career, or have actual advice to young working professionals. Today, we have Jen Daskal on the podcast to talk about her strategies to get in your first sale jobs, how you can stand out in the sales recruitment process, and what startups look for in sales candidates. We also talk a little bit more about corporate versus startups um, and being in a sales uh, role. Great conversation. So make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast and share with any other friends that may want a tech guide. You can also learn more about us at techguide.org. Welcome, Jennifer. Super excited to have you.
0: Super excited to be here. Thanks.
1: Before we get started with everything, we have to ask our kickoff question because work-life balance is super important. So I'm curious, how do you de-stress from a long, stressful day of sales recruiting?
0: Gosh, I love taking my black lab for a long four-mile walk, probably my best. And if you asked me five years ago, I was probably pouring myself in like a nice big glass of, of wine, but I, I find walking my dog is a little healthier these days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like the character development there, but <laughs> <laughs> totally. why to walk in your dog, which sounds like an awesome.
0: Hey, sometimes the neighbors invite me in for a glass of wine. Liz. As long as I'm at the tail end, we're fine.
1: <laughs> I love that. And you have over 22 years of recruiting sales talents. Uh, I think that is phenomenal because sales, I, I think in just personal experience, has like really taken off like the past 10 years. Maybe not though. So I'm just curious, from those 22 years, how has the selling role changed and how you recruit for the selling role change
0: since? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, the sales roles have completely changed in yeah. the sense that way back when, <laughs> when, when I recruited, you started off in inside sales mm-hmm. and promoted into outside sales. And now, because I now specifically just recruit SaaS, SaaS professionals, I actually see a lot of people that, have a long career in outside sales, but now we're going inside sales because of just the way the technology is delivered. So, so and the way that I found my candidates when it was pre LinkedIn, pre, you know, Monster and, and Career Builder it was actually like going into Nordstrom and just talking to people and poaching people and going to job fairs and having to feel like you need to bathe in antibacterial at the sure. end. And now all of my recruiting is more sharpshooting, uh, finding the people I want to go after on online, and and uh, creating really great messaging, and enticing them to get on the telephone with me, and and seeing if they're fit. So it's it's definitely changed a lot. I don't leave my home office very often to go to Nordstrom and poach people because all my candidates I place are are all in different parts of the country.
1: That's awesome. And you are in SaaS sales, which I think is probably if you're going to talk about some sort of sales role, it's definitely SaaS sales. That's the hottest right now. Um, So can we start at the very, very basic level of what does someone in tech sales slash SaaS sales, what do they do?
0: So depending on the level, someone in SaaS software as a service, you know, depends on the company, depends on the way it's. If the company is specifically SaaS or possibly they have on-premise software, yes. which old school loading things into a server or into your computer, way back when, when we needed updates. Um, there still are companies out there, especially in the fintech world that that still need on-premise software for security measures. And then there are companies that just puff up because the delivery is so easy and and basically sales reps are there. From an entity level standpoint, as sales development reps or BDRs mm-hmm. or SDRs, they're called a variety of different things. And they are basically after hustling, doing the research, making the, the cold outreach via email, via phone call. And then once they are qualified leads and they get a good one on the line, there's a lot of phishing references, then it is introduced to the prospect, is to the sales rep, and the sales rep then does a discovery call, finds out the company's needs, you know, reintroduces the company that they're selling for and takes them through the process. That can be a very short one to two call close, or it could be a year to three years, just depending on the level, the cost and the type of solution, how many decision makers need to be part of it. Then from there, it's typically passed on to customer success or account management and sales engineer. So it's a very collaborative effort in the SaaS world. It's it's um it's pretty complex. Companies that do it right have a really solid value proposition and a great team where it's kind of like handing off a baton from one stage to the next.
1: Yeah, and that's what I love. That was a really thorough from basically the opening to like the closing of like what a BDR does. So like your customer success. And I know you work with a lot of like emerging SaaS companies to hire tech talent. So I'm assuming emerging SaaS companies are a lot different than these huge corporations. And if that is true, can you talk about that? And what do these fast growing startups really look for in a sales
0: hire? That's a great question. So I spent some time with a Fortune 1000 company, and it was at that moment, after five years of banging my head against the wall, trying to get things to happen. That I decided I am more into startups and I want to work mm. directly with the decision makers and not have to go through a ton of internal recruiting or bureaucracy, as we call it, at different levels. You know, the smaller companies tend to need more help and mm. assistance, and I'm able to be a really great um partner to them instead of just their outside recruiter. So I, I help them, like one of your other guests was just describing, you know, develop their job description and educate the clients on the marketplace. And that's really fun. And and it's, it makes me feel really valuable at the end of the day with the big companies, they have a playbook that is so large and, and intense that oftentimes it, there doesn't, it it doesn't leave a lot of room for opportunity to place someone that doesn't just fit all, check all the boxes. Um, And, I would say another thing that comes to mind, you know, startups want people, they look at their sales reps to be their future leaders. There's yeah. a lot more exposure when you work for a, a fight growth company because there's less layers between you and the CEO or the VP of sales or whoever, which is great if you want to hustle and make an impact and think out of the box and especially where of so I know those terms are thrown around a lot, but at the end of the day, that's what everyone's looking for. So a high level of emotional intelligence is really key for startups versus just like someone to work the playbook. And then also within that emotional intelligence, something that really keyed in on people with a high level of intellectual curiosity, Mm. because SaaS is constantly changing and shifting. And the way it looks today will not be the way it looks two weeks from now.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So it sounds like if you are going to work, if you want to be, oh, I'm, I'm going to go in sales and I want to go work for a startup. It sounds like a lot of exposure or I'll, I'll give you the question. What, what are the benefits of working for a SaaS or a startup in a sales role? Because it sounds like, oh, I'm going to be exposed to the CEO, but like I have a quota to role here. So like, yeah. what are the benefits of working for a SaaS startup in a sales role?
0: Well, I mean, to answer that, I'd love to take a step back and say why you shouldn't start with a startup.
1: That's fair. But yeah, let's start there.
0: Because I personally don't think that's a great way to go. And the reason for that is kind of what I just spoke about. You want to go to a company with a really thorough training program right out of the gates. And so oftentimes startups, that don't have a lot of structure already. They're not going to have the training, the tools, the development. They may have a manager. You may have a manager that's also competing with you and selling. and That's kind of, that's what a lot of bootstrap startups look like in the beginning. So I typically recommend that you go to a company where they have a solid training program, where you can save your documentation, you can have some rigorous metrics, and you know your first time out of school, that's when you have the energy to to really dive in, work really hard, you know, burn the midnight oil if you have to, mm-hmm. um, because this is this is when you want to work hard. This is when you're going to accelerate your career. Then what happens with these large companies is traditionally they they don't promote from within. A lot Mm. of times. And that's when I like to find these people. So I get a little bird in my ear that says, hey, this company with all these kids that are hustling, they just brought in a manager from their competitor and now everyone's disgruntled." Well, I find all these people, make friends, find out if they're willing to listen to new opportunities. And now I can place them in a role where they don't have to stay for five years to get that promotion. They're going to be promoted based on their merit. And based on what they bring to the table instead of their uh, amount of years of experience.
1: Yeah. And I think that really hits on the psyche of someone that is in sales is they want to be promoted fast. Like they're not there to just, oh my God, you just brought in a competitor. Oh, I think I'll wait another two years. I want to ask that question. Can you take us into the psyche of someone that is in sales? Say, because salespeople are like, that's a hard job to do. So can you take us into, okay, I want to get into a sales role someday, but I don't know if it's a fit for me. What should I be considering mentally if this is the job for me?
0: So I often ask people when they are deciding what they want to do, like, why sales? They come to me that mm. they're why sales? And people say, oh, I love people. I love talking to people. Yeah. I'm like, well, that is the worst reason to go into sales. I know it's what people think. But in reality, people go into sales are really self-driven and really mm. motivated. And they want to promote quickly. They want to make money based on what how much skin they have in the game instead of how much someone is going to tell them that they're worth. Um salespeople typically are very type A. They want to get better and better. They want to learn. And you know, that's not saying that people who aren't in sales are are second class or anything, but man, sales is hard. It's a ton of rejection. Those people that get in sales because they like people, they are not going to like people after the first month of rejection. You know, you have to have some really thick skin and be very competitive. And and that's really how sales leaders tend to set up the sales environment. Plus, hopefully really juicy compensation brands for all that hard work they do.
1: Yeah. So someone's listening to this, they might be like, yes, I'm self-driven. I'm competitive. I'm motivated by money. Like, yes, yes, yes. Let me get into tech sales. Entry-level role, how would you advise someone to get into tech sales first job out of college?
0: first show back college super easy go to a company hopefully locally i know a lot of people say remote man if you just came out of school these are the people you want to be having happy hours with learn from have high fives and contests i mean the the day of of you know cakes in the office those are not over like take advantage of being entry level and learning a lot and go to a company or move to a city, you know, that like Chicago, let's say with, with Salesforce, that still is hiring entry level people and giving great training. DR, BDR roles is where you're going to have the most opportunities and you're going to learn how to prospect and you're going to hopefully get the opportunity to promote. It's the one question I think you really need to ask and you need to evaluate is how, what percentage of their people are promoted out of the SDR role because it's Mm. not a great position to get stuck in. Unfortunately, I see people who leave one company, go to another SDR role where they think they can get promoted. Now they've been there a year. Now they have two years of SDR experience. And meanwhile, their friend that chose a different path with a different company in the SDR role was in there for six months and now was closing deals, making six figures.
1: Yep. So what are those questions? that you asked to un- to uncover that? Is it simply what's the percentage of people that get promoted within 12 months or what questions do you advise people that?
0: Yes, I would definitely talk about, I would ask questions about expectations from mm. the company to the, to the sales rep. What are the metrics? What are the quotas? What percentage of their people are promoted? And those that aren't promoted, what are the biggest reasons why? I would also mm. find out, in 12 month period, what their turnover is, what that rate is and why. And keep digging in. And and what that's going to do is give you an idea, a clear idea of the path that you're going to be on. But it also is going to show off your sales skills because the more you probe, that's really what you're going to be doing in that role anyway, is discovering and probing and uncovering needs. So I would say a, a real key thing in an interview as well is to find someone that's currently on the team Mm. if they're not part of the interview process find someone on linkedin introduce yourself say you're in the interviewing with their team can you get on the telephone and ask them some questions and you're going to get a load of information that way find out what they like what they don't like what their managers like are they on the track to promote how many of their peers have they seen promote because in this day and age you'd love to take everyone's word as accurate, but unfortunately, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, especially with SDRs that, you know, people think, well, they have no experience. They don't know what to ask. Don't get stuck in that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when you are thinking about that, I want to hit on the two points of quota and promotion. What's a good like quota percentage that an SDR org hits? And then two, what would be a good promotion path to like an AE closing role? Like how many? Oh
0: my gosh, the quotas can be, it just, just really depends on the value of yep. the solution they're selling. If it's $30 a month, then that's going to be a much easier deal and they may have to submit 10 qualified leads a day. Whereas mm-hmm. if you are with an enterprise level sale that's $100,000 for a year, <laughs> let's say, You may just be responsible for one to two qualified leads a month. It's just the spectrum is very wide. The logical promotion path from an SDR is traditionally into an SMB, small, Mm -hmm. medium business role. Then a mid-market role. Then an enterprise role, just putting it really simply. And with all those roles, the sales process gets longer and the dollar size gets larger. And also the amount of stakeholders or decision makers that you have to sell to in the process gets wider. So I never recommend an SDR go directly into enterprise sales. It happens every once in a while, but man, you're going to be pretty stressed because there are skills that you have to learn with every different sales process complexity. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and I can speak to that from firsthand experience because when I was with HubSpot as an SDR BDR, I was in the enterprise sales division. You learn a lot. Great training program, like you yeah. talked about, but it is a very difficult role, and you very stressed doing it. But you learn a lot. Which take it how you want it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and were
0: you were you part of an inside sales group?
1: Yep, I was part of an inside sales group. Yeah, <laughs>
0: so you work with your your peers.
1: Mm-hmm, yep, yep. I was in the office in Boston, so, so you, uh, could event,
0: you could lament, you could high five, you could celebrate. I mean, that's, I, I really think that that's the best case yes. situation. It doesn't have to be a sales force. I just threw that out. But HubSpot's a major leader in the space. I, I just think if it's a brand that people know, that's going yeah. to make your resume golden mm-hmm. versus a no-name, you know, yes. Folsom, California, where I live, that no one knows of, And then you have to kind of sell the company and your experience and your photo attainment. Take the selling the company part out of it. That's why going to a big brand typically is going to be
1: key. That's a great point. That is a really, really good point that I will emphasize. Double exclamation point that one, everyone. Thank you. I do want to talk about it. So you get into tech sales. I'm loving it. This is awesome. I'm curious, what makes a good salesperson stand out? Is it because they have a lot of product knowledge about what they're selling? Is it their interpersonal skills, the strong business acumen? Which one do you think matters the most?
0: To who? To me or to a hiring mentor?
1: To be successful in a sales Um, job. To
0: be successful. I think it goes back to the emotional intelligence and the drive. I think it's mostly intangible because everything else falls within that. Business acumen and quota attainment. So I think at the top, you have to really be you have to bring your A game. You have to be a really self motivated person that uh, traditionally is very positive, that yeah. and is likable, and that has has thick skin, and, and people are going to want to work with. People yeah. want to work with people they like. At yeah. the end of the day, you know. And if you don't like people, and you don't 50. feel yourself, being the best that you can be, you know, instead of taking back. Bottle of line after work, you take your dog for a walk. I mean, you you want to really bring your A game, and that's what's going to keep you consistent and at quota attainment. Continue to to grow your career in in sales, maybe even to a CRO, Chief Revenue yeah. Officer, or VP of Sales, or you know, board member of other startups. There's just really wide variety of opportunities.
1: Yeah, and I think there's like a lot of opportunities to like get in sales as a whole. And I will talk about a LinkedIn post you actually had today because I thought this was really interesting about sales boot camps and like certifications. As a hiring like manager recruiter, how do you approach it? I, I personally have not heard a whole lot about sales camps and like boot camps, so I'm curious. Like, are these things like legit?
0: <laughs> You're. That's why I asked. I know. I know that there's a lot of them out there that are selling a lot of recent college grads on their boot camps and they come to me and they say, well, I don't have any experience, but I have this boot camp. Yeah. I can 1000% tell you I've never has seen a job description that has a boot camp
1: mm. requirement
0: on it. Interesting. I can tell you that there are jo- most job descriptions have a minimum amount of experience prospecting consulting, selling, yeah. closing, whatever. I haven't seen the boot camps. But, you know, I think that no one will ever take away your education. Yeah. And if it's a boot camp or a certification, you get something out of it, then that's great. I don't, I'm still trying to figure out if that is viable. Mm. I don't I can guarantee it's not a viable exchange for the experience. If you get the experience at the boot camp, if you are prospecting, then that's great. I have seen some of them out there that actually have them prospect as a BDR would and pass along those leads, and then mm-hmm. those are people that are are actually placed into those companies. I have seen boot camps that have a really cool model. I kind of wish I would have thought of it, but um, I think right now, with so many people let. That are on the market. I think we're going to see more of these boot camps and, and yeah. really selling. People are selling people on the market about just about everything right now. Mm-hmm. Boot camps and certifications. We will see. We like... shall see if they become uh, maybe they're the next best thing.
1: Yeah, and if from your perspective, um, let's just say they don't like they're, they don't have a boot camp, but they want to break into tech sales or tech sales. What are some like complementary roles that they can get real world experience that are easily transferable to tech sales?
0: Easily transferable that are specific, specifically tech based anything. Well, I, internet is like Yelp. I used to recruit a lot of SDRs out of Yelp, which I don't think is a very tech solution. It's It's advertising. So advertising is, is one place. Paychecks, ADP. Nice. Um, those are payroll services, but they are pretty tech-based, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's a very similar model. You know, anything intangible, media, air, I mean, silly air is just about the hardest thing out there, air and yep. fundraising. I mean, if I can get someone, if if I have a, a ton of SDR openings and I find someone with all the intangibles and they've been selling something intangible like air on a media station <laughs> or media, I typically... If I have a solid relationship with the business, the business leader, I can typically request 20 minutes of their time to just make sure that they're not missing out on great talent. Because at the end of the day, experience is a great thing and it's measurable, but it comes down to the person. And and yeah. sometimes, you know, like the example I gave you of my Olympian that we both know, yeah. JP, he he had no tech experience. And I said, listen, just give 20 minutes. I promise you you'll love him. And he ends up opening up a London office for him, and I mean, he crushed all these things. And, and you know, it's it's so funny because I can call him any day, and and he's like, "Yeah, you got be in tech sales." Like, God, that was fifteen years ago. So,
1: <laughs> that's I think that's awesome. And I, that like really hits on another point with Jamie specifically. I wanted to ask about a successful placement like you've made and what made that candidate stand out. So can you give us an example of a successful placement you've had? Is it Jamie? Does anyone else stand out? Um, and then you just share like what stood out from that person.
0: Yeah. So I would say Jamie is definitely a great example. Another one that comes to mind is Joe. And Joe went to Snow State, which mm. is a, you know, just basic state school here in California in the white country. And he sold for Cintos. So. Okay. Definitely not technical, but mm-hmm. I met this guy. He was referred to me and my, I, I say my hair blew back. It didn't really, I swear. But I think the guy is so articulate and charismatic. And he just gave me this surge of energy over the telephone. This is before Zoom. Yeah. When I used to just deal with the telephone, which is nice. That's a whole nother story. But no one wanted to see him because he didn't have tech experience. We begged and begged and begged uh, this client, and I was like, "I will, I will pay you if you do not like this guy. Like, I'll, I'll send you and your wife out to five hundred dollar dinner." That's how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, you've sired. He broke every record at his first SaaS company, which was Blue Jeans, which Dad. Verizon since has bought. And Joe called me a year ago and said, "Hey, I don't know if you remember me." But I'm now VP of sales with a company called Sawslap, and I want to repay the favor and order you to recruit for us. That's so, yeah. And he's just—he really is. I—it's I, hard to even pin it. But you talk to this guy, you're like, you are special. You are the one percent. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, as a headhunter, those are the people that I'm going to charge a fee for. Are those those people that really stand out and are great listeners, great communicators? They get too excited and they have they have a great story to tell. is huge. Even when you're not in marketing, you know, sales reps have to have a great story and they have to really show that they can stand out above, above the rest and not just go into sales because they like to talk. it.
1: Yeah. And so what that really was, was like, he was really charismatic. He gave like yeah. great energy over phone and like the storytelling were three characteristics that like really stood out to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was just... I mean, it really is, it's, I think for any of your listeners, when you meet people that just really stand out, yeah, they have that it factor. (laughs) Those are the people that I will put my career, I will, I will bet my money on every single time. You just, you know, the successful people, and maybe that's why I've been recruiting for 20 some odd years, because I have keyed in what that successful persona is. It's very difficult to fake.
1: Yeah. But um, I,
0: I believe that if you really develop yourself, read a lot, learn from mentors, listen to great podcasts, and, and really try and develop yourself from an intellectual curiosity point of view, you'll get there with some maturity and and probably some some challenges and some some failures along the way. But it's all That's why sales is so fun. It's all character building throughout your entire career.
1: Yeah. And that's why I, I, like, there's always that sales. I mean, because like, that's the people at HubSpot, everyone was like, oh, like I'm committed to like self-learning. Like, it's just a contagious atmosphere. Uh, I think you get that across sales organizations, which is really, really neat.
0: I mean, what other career is there that you can walk into a Barbs and Nobles or go on Amazon right now and basically educate yourself on all these different selling techniques? Yeah. You not you you can give yourself a master's in sales by just reading and listening to podcasts, in my true opinion, and, and and learning from really solid mentors and reaching out and finding mentors.
1: Yeah. Well, of course, now I have to ask the question because I love reading. What books would you recommend to someone that wants to succeed in sales? Oh,
0: I have a really fun one on my bookshelf. The Comfort Crisis. Okay. Is a book I recently read. And it will take you out of your comfort zone. You know, I mean, it is a it's a book I will read once a year. It's not specifically for sales, but it's about putting yourself in situations that are not comfortable and and having self great. So maybe that sounds too cheesy, but I think that that's a book I recommend. Challenger Sale is really very I I would say learn the, learn the challenger sale model and the, the names of the personas because they'll come up in interviews quite frequently. If you could get one book, probably the challenger sale.
1: I like that. I like that. And we're running down on time here, but a question did pop up earlier. Uh, We've talked about a lot about like having like a great person, not like a great personality, like a driven personality, but also like hitting your metrics from like a quota perspective. So take me through like a sales recruiting perspective. Let's just say you get a candidate that hits quota, like, I don't know what a number is, like 80% of the time, but they're like, 80% of the time, but they're like, great qualities, like this person can really do it. How do you evaluate that?
0: It's tough to place someone who only hits their quota 80% of the time. And the reason for that is because my clients pay me a fee. And mm. they're going to want to pay a fee for someone who consistently achieves their quota. Yep. And those are typically the people that I would weed out in my first or second round of my selection process. You know, if if they are an 80%er, I coach them, and I'll send them to, I'll give them as, as much cheerleading as possible. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, I can't place an 80%er unless there are circumstances outside of their control. If the product doesn't work, for example, mm-hmm. and maybe they had a you know, crush photo with previous companies, then maybe that's something to look at. But most of the, nine times out of ten, I can't place an eighty percent or
1: that's personal. right. What's like the bare minimum do you bare minimum look at the right term? What's like the lowest you would go like ninety five percent? And it's like, well, this person is great, or is it like a hundred percent like that's where you need to be at?
0: I would say ninety-five. It's probably
1: that's amazing. The,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've require a lot of my sales candidates, they have to have documentation. Now, this is for like enterprise level or market, yeah. not for SDRs. SDRs, you know, for, for the people that are more entry level in their career. think gonna come down to their personality and gonna come down to some some great storytelling about what separates them from their peers. But once mm. you get more experienced, then it's going to be okay, where do you rank? Okay, so let's say they're only 80%, but they're ranked number one on their team. That also is a situation where I would I That's would submit. And, and if they have documentation and great references on their LinkedIn.
1: That's awesome. I really like that. And I want to talk one more question as we wind down time here. You talked a little bit about storytelling. Is there a framework that you use or story te- storytelling technique that candidates can use to explain like their sales career or how would you coach that?
0: So... Um, one of my very favorite interviewers, a client that I've worked with now with three of his startups, he starts every interview by saying, Listen, put your resume down, just tell me about you and what makes you tick. Like he has a more eloquent way of saying it. What's <laughs> why? What's your why basically? And I think that if people can master that open-ended question and walk through two minute, let's say elevator pitch on what motivates them, why they, why they have made the decisions that they have and what they're looking for next. And maybe something interesting about themselves, if it's anything like our friend, Jamie being an Olympian, maybe they have are a marathon runner, maybe they're super committed to some other aspect of their life, and, you know, started a charity event. Something that's different than what every other recent college graduate or 30-year-old has done is going to be really important to that because that's what's going to stand out. And that is really going to set the tone for the rest of the interview.
1: Awesome. Well, Jennifer, thank you so, so much. This was an awesome interview. i um, yeah, super excited yeah. that we could get you on and get a lot
0: of questions in. Likewise. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan. Take care.